0: The following is a message from Pastor Ellis Orozco of First Baptist Richardson. For more information, please visit fbcr.org. Good morning, and thanks for joining us this morning in worship. I know that you've had an amazing time worshiping God so far, and we're going to keep worshiping Him by going to His Word. In Matthew chapter 6, if you want to open up your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to be reading verses 19 through 24. But before we do that, I want you to to watch a a video. I want you to see this story that when I first saw it really struck me for two important reasons that are going to become important for the sermon. Uh, This is a story of two police officers outside of Minneapolis, Minnesota, who came upon a scene, uh, 19-year-old Chris Felix, who had stopped at the side of the road. And they came onto this scene that they will not soon forget. Watch the video.
1: Just outside Minneapolis, Brooklyn Park police officers Jeremy Halleck and Tony Weeks were driving around town recently. Just routine patrol. When they came across something remarkable. We just saw a car kind of pulled over. You could tell something was going on. And then as we got closer, you could see that he was giving chest compressions.
0: Is he giving CPR? I think it is. Look at him.
1: When the officers got out, they found 19-year-old Chris Felix who cleans cars at the local Subaru dealership, attempting to revive a little one, who Chris says darted out in front of him and struck his vehicle. He didn't look like he had any any life, you know. Had you learned CPR before? Yeah, I learned at um, high school. Do you ever think you'd use it? No, but it's always good to learn something. <laughs> and he says you never know when you might be at just the right place, at just the right time, to save a rodent. I couldn't believe it. He's given CPR to a squirrel. Like, it doesn't matter if it's a little little life, you know, a big life. Life is life. And because he believes life is life, Chris gave it a valiant effort.
0: Sorry. I've never seen that before.
1: Unfortunately, after a minute, there was still no response. The officers say deep down they knew it was gone.
0: I did. I did. And then that squirrel took off like a bat out of... There he goes! Oh, my God! <laughs> hey! Oh, my God! We got him back! <sighs> just wow. What did we just witness? Something I'll always
1: remember. I will always remember it as well. On the one hand, nothing could be more insignificant. Yet I can even hear it in your voice. This mattered.
0: Sometimes when nobody's looking and people do the right thing, it kind of shows who they really are.
1: Not surprisingly, someday Chris would like to go into medicine, and let's hope he does. There he goes! Because if he can have this much compassion hey. for roadkill, imagine what he could do work. for his fellow man.
0: Hey, buddy. The reason I wanted you to see that, that, that story is because there are two things in the story that popped out at me. Two things that I want you to keep in mind as we go through the message Uh, This morning, the first is the idea that is very much a biblical idea of a compare and contrast where Jesus says, if you who are earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, you who are imperfect, sinful, earthly parents know how to give good gifts and desire to give good gifts to your to your children, how much more so your heavenly, perfect heavenly father will give you good gifts. I want you to keep that in mind. In, in this scene, if, if he cared that much for, a, for a, a little squirrel, how much more so will he care for human beings? So, so I want you to keep that in mind. And the other, the other thing is what the officer said at the very end of the interview, where the officer said this, sometimes when nobody is looking and people do the right thing, it kind of shows who they really are. Sometimes... When nobody is looking and you do the right thing, it shows who you really are. I'm, I'm reminded of that place where Jesus says, uh, when you did it for the least of these, right? Where, where Jesus says, I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry, you fed me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And the people said, when, did, when were you naked? When were you hungry? When were you in prison? And Jesus says, when you did it for the least of these. When you did it when no one was looking. When you did it in such a way that you didn't even know you were doing it yourself, you are doing it for me. So keep those two, eye, those two ideas in mind as we go through the scripture today. So we're going to be reading in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. We're talking about connecting to other people. It's the challenge we have set for ourselves as a church in 2022. We are challenging ourselves this year to take everything we're experiencing in our daily time with God, As we have gone through the well Bible reading journey together and continue to do that, we want to take everything we're experiencing in that journey with God, that daily journey, and we want to share that experience with other people. We are challenging ourselves this year to go out and meet someone new every month, one person every month, just to, to make a new friend every month, to get outside of your comfort zone. And we're believing that if each one of us does that, we're believing that as we, each one of us, get out of outside of our comfort zone and go and share our experience with the well with someone else, as we go out and we begin to make new friends, we believe that God is going to do something uh, with that. So to take a deeper dive into that idea, let's go to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus' words in what we now call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24. And this is what the word of God says, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. May God bless the reading of his word. Uh, This was one of your well readings this last week, and if you're following with us in the well journey, And and if you're doing that, then you're at the very heart of what we now call the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 6 of Matthew is the heart of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where he is describing what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. Up to this point in the sermon, Jesus has been describing what the kingdom of God looks like, the values and the characteristics of the person who lives deep inside uh, the kingdom of God on a daily basis. And he describes them, he lists them, things like, like... Being poor in spirit, uh, mourning, your heart breaking over the things that break the heart of God, Uh, merciful, uh, meek, uh, peacemaker, uh, uh, someone who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, uh, uh, someone who is salt and light. In other words, someone who has an impact in the world. We talked about all those things um, last, last week, and then he goes on in that same chapter, and he begins to describe what those values do in real life situations. He takes some of the most important hot button topics of his day and he begins to apply these values to those issues. He talks about about murder and, and adultery and divorce. The, the promises that we keep, the oaths that we take, and how our word is, is supposed to be good. He talks about loving your neighbor and loving your enemy. So, so what do all those issues have to do with each other? What is it that they coalesce around? They all have to do with how we live with other people, how we treat other people, how we work and play and live with those Around us. This is what Jesus is, this is what he's getting at. And so the heart of the message is the thesis for our series, and that is this: a life well lived is a life lived well with others. A life well lived is a life lived well with others. This is the heart of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He he has his disciples all together one night, the night before his death. He brings all of his disciples together. They're alone together in a room. And he says to them, he says to them this. He says, this is the way the world out there will know that you belong to me. This is the way they will know that you're one of my followers. This is the the stamp on your life that they will see. And they will know that you belong to me. And because you belong to me, you belong to God. This is the sign. He says, the way you love each other. It's the way you live together in love that will be the marker, the sign that God's spirit is with you. The way you love each other. Then he wraps up by giving these two very important statements. Here in Matthew chapter 6. He gives these two big, big statements. They're huge. Actually, he gives three. One of them is in chapter seven. We won't go to that one. That one's what we call the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But here in Matthew chapter six, he gives two big important ideas. And I want, I want you to, to, I want us to kind of dig deeper into these two big ideas he gives us here. The first is this. And that is that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He, he, he prefaced that question, actually that statement, he prefaced it with a, with a haunting question. What are you storing up? What, what, what are the things that you are collecting? It's really the, store, the, the question of what drives you? What motivates you? What pushes you to get out of bed every day and to go out there into that world to, to work and to make a difference? What, what is it that you're driving towards? What, what is it that you're collecting? What, what are you storing up? that's what Jesus wants to know. My mom growing up liked to collect things. She, she was a, a collector. Now, we, we didn't have a lot of money. We, we didn't have the money to, to buy a lot of things. And when she was young, when she was little girls, they were extremely uh, poor. They had, they had literally nothing. And maybe that's part of the reason she liked to collect things. When she was little, they had nothing But my father did well. We were basically middle class, and so she liked to collect things. And from a very early age, she tried to get me into collecting things. I remember being seven, eight years old, and my mom and I would go together to these coin collecting shows. And so she first she tried to get me into coin collecting, and we bought coins. I still have some of the coins that we uh, bought together. I still have the Indian Head Penny collection that she and I started together, and she, then it was stamps, and she tried to get me into collecting stamps. I was never much into stamps. Most of the stamps I have are stamps that my mom bought for me. She would buy me the first issue right stamps that I, I, I don't know if they're worth anything today, but she loved those and she would buy them for me, trying to get me into collecting stamps. And then, of course, as a kid, I started collecting baseball cards, and I still have those baseball cards. There's something, there's something inherent to our nature about collecting things, something that brings us some kind of inner joy about collecting things. So the question is, what is it for you? What are the things that you are collecting? You're going to collect something. As you go through this life, you're going to be collecting things. And Jesus's haunting question is, what is it that you are collecting? Collecting, and then he goes into this idea of moth and vermin and thieves who break in and steal and destroy, and his point there is that most of the things that we go through life collecting are extremely finite and temporary that this is the heart of the problem for jesus that, that most of the things that drive us, most of the things that form us and fashion us, most of the things that that motivate us are finite and temporary. And his point is that if if where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So that your heart is encased and and, and covered by whatever your treasure is. And if your treasure is so finite and so temporary, then your heart will never be truly safe or satisfied. Because most of the things that we chase... Are so finite and temporary. I was, I was in the uh, store the other day with my granddaughter uh, Eden. Who uh, last week she turned eight. It was her birthday, and so Priscilla, my wife and I, we we took her to the American Doll Store to buy her an American doll for her eighth birthday. It's her first American doll. And if you've ever been in that in that store, that is definitely. A little girl store. So she went crazy in that store. And 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 we, we bought the doll. And of course, she chose the only doll in the entire store that has rainbow colored hair. She is so like her her father. But but anyway, that's beside the point. She so she chooses the doll and and, and buys this whole bundle package where they, they pierce the doll's earrings, the, they pierce the doll's ears, and she so she gets earrings and she has the little case to carry the doll, and she has another, a, an alternate set of clothing for the doll, and all, all these things. And she's just so excited, so thrilled about this American doll that she now has. And uh, she she knows that that I'm in the process actually of selling my my car, my my Lexus. I'm I'm about to sell it, and um, she knows that. And so afterwards, she says, that, "Pops, I want this other thing, this this these accessories for the American doll." And I told her, "Well, you have to." You have to save up for those things. You get the doll now and a few things. And then if you, she wants the cafe and she wants the little dog house and she wants all these little things for the doll. And I said, well, you're going to have to save up for those things. And she said, I know, we'll sell your car and we'll use that money to buy these things, right? These accessories. And I told her, hey, this is my car, right? It's my car. I'm not spending my money to buy your things. You have to save up. And then she got this idea because she apparently has discovered Facebook Marketplace. And so she had this idea. She said, Pops, why don't we do this? We'll take my Barbie doll houses. She has two Barbie doll houses. I don't know why she has two Barbie doll houses, but she has two Barbie doll houses, one at our house and one in their apartment. And so she says, let's take my Barbie doll houses and all my Barbies and sell those. And with that, we can use the money to buy all these accessories I want for my American doll. And I said, but listen, I bought you that Barbie doll house last year for your birthday. It's only a year old. Why do you want to get rid of it? She says, oh, Pops, Barbies are for little kids, right? Barbies are for babies, I'm a big girl now, right? And I said, but it was, j- I just bought you this last year. And she says, she rolls her eyes and says, that was like a whole year ago, Pops. Things have changed, right? And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, you're right. It was, it was a year ago. You were a little baby then, now you're a big girl. But that's it, isn't it? That, that's a microcosm, I think, of, of what life is like for us. That's, that's life. We, the things we're chasing now, uh become irrelevant within a year so quickly it's it's gone so the question is what it what is what is it that is your treasure what is it the thing that you're chasing after and is it true that by the time you actually catch it it's it's old news and and it's true that that your heart will never be safe and it will be never be satisfied when it is encased by something so temporary so finite and so tr- so uh, transparent. it's, It's never going to be safe. This is what Jesus is trying to warn us about. Where is your treasure? What are the choices you're making about your treasure? Be careful because those are the things that carry your heart. The second thing he says, very important, is he says no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. So this takes the idea of where your treasure is and it clarifies it. It clarifies it. Here is, here is what is going to master you. It has to do with the eyes, Jesus says. Watch your eyes. Where are your eyes going? Because in ancient Hebrew thought, the eyes were the gateway to the soul, the heart, and the mind. It's, it's what you allowed in through your eyes that impacted your entire body. And so that if, you're, if what's going into your eyes is garbage, 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 all day long, garbage in through the eyes then you're going to have a garbage life. You're going to have garbage ideals. You're going to have garbage values. And what's going to come out of you is going to be garbage, garbage in, garbage out. So Jesus says, watch the eyes, protect the eyes. This is why the writer of Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. This is extremely important. Fix your eyes on Jesus. It's like that moment when Peter was in the boat. And he sees Jesus and Jesus is walking towards the boat and he's walking on the water towards the disciples. And Peter in the boat says to Jesus, Jesus, let me come out and walk on the water too towards you. And Jesus says to Peter, come on. So Peter jumps out of the boat and he begins, his eyes fixed on Jesus, he begins walking on the water towards Jesus. And it's only when he takes his eyes off of Jesus to look at his circumstances, to see the wind and the waves, to see that he's actually doing something miraculous, it's in that moment when he takes his eyes off of Jesus and puts them on his own circumstances that he begins to sink. This is why it's so important. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, it's the eyes. Jesus says, unhealthy eyes equals an unhealthy body. Healthy eyes equals a healthy body. Dysfunctional eyes equals a dysfunctional life. See, we, we live in an increasingly distracting world. A world where multitasking is the name of the game. And where, where a, a long-term, full-on commitment is, is discouraged a world where we don't care so much what's on the screen as we do what else is on the screen. Not what I'm, what I'm doing now, but what I'm missing is what begins to consume us. This is the kind of world we live in. Wealth and technology have given us more options than any other society in all of human history. Think about that for a moment. Think about it. Wealth and technology have given us more access to more treasures than any other society or culture in all of human history. And you need to ask yourself, what is that doing to us? What is that doing to our hearts and to our lives when we're not always choosing well? We have all these new choices, all these new options and we're not choosing, we're not choosing the way Jesus chose. Jesus gave us his his beatitudes, the the beatitudes that start the sermon, the the blessings, what it looks like to live a blessed life. Last year, uh, last week, I'm sorry, last week I preached on that uh, here in the, the classic worship service, and um, our Pastor Josh uh, was in the contemporary service preaching the same the same scriptures. And Josh just tells me that in preparing for that, he started really looking hard at these beatitudes and the kinds of choices he was making in his life, whether or not he really was mourning, poor in spirit, meek, merciful, peacemaker. And he decided to flip those beatitudes and to make them actually into the opposite of what Jesus said. So he created a list of the beatitudes that are opposites of what Jesus said. I think think that they're brilliant. So I want to just share them with you really quickly. This is what Josh wrote. He said, Blessed are the self sufficient, for they will climb the ladder to success. Blessed are those with thick skin and no regrets, for they won't appear weak, needy, or dependent on anyone. Blessed are the bold. For they will conquer any challenge, no matter who or what is in their way. Blessed are those who live by their own personal truth, for they will never have to be corrected or change their mind. Blessed are those who judge and cancel others, for they will always feel morally and intellectually superior. Blessed are the carnal in heart, for they won't need God. Blessed are the fighters for they will tear down anyone who disagrees with them. Blessed are those who are praised, celebrated, and honored by many, for they will have reached the pinnacle of success. Blessed are you when people love you, envy you, and follow all of your social media accounts. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in this life. For in the same way, they celebrated all the other important people who were before you. And I would only add, uh, you know, all those people who are already long forgotten. That's good. That's good. What kind of choices are you making? And, And isn't it true, honestly, that in your heart, through the choices you're making, through the things you're allowing to come into your eyes, that perhaps the Beatitudes that Josh created, that they're the opposite of the Jesus Beatitudes, actually resonate more with you? Than do Jesus' Beatitudes. Take a hard look at your life. Be honest with yourself. And you might say, well, what does all this have to do with living well with others? It has everything to do with it. Our thesis a life well lived is a life lived well with others. And the choices you make about how you're going to live your life, the choices you make about what you're chasing, The choices you make about where you're going to place your treasure and where your heart is going to be has everything to do with how you live your life with other others, because what all these choices are doing is that they are tearing us apart, distracting our eyes from that which is eternal, fixing our eyes on that which is finite and temporary, and what happens is when you do that over time is that you start to forget what is truly important. You You will begin to forget what is eternal, and what is truly important. A life well-lived is a life lived well with others. I heard this story of um, a, a young couple who had a difficult choice to make. Their, their daughter was going into kindergarten and she was, she was deaf. Uh, she, she could hear pretty much nothing. She was almost completely uh, deaf, and they were debating whether to send her to a special school for deaf kids deaf kids, or, um, or to send her to the school down the street that was the, the public school, but in that school there were no children who were in that same condition where they couldn't hear, and for a number of different reasons, they decided to try the public school, and they realized miraculously that it was one of the best decisions they ever made. I want you to see the story. Watch this.
1: Ready for cookies? Six-year-old Maury Belanger has a severe hearing impairment, but she's also very much a typical kid, <laughs> which is why. When it came time for kindergarten, her parents, Shannon and Matt, were torn. Send her to a school for the deaf. Yeah, eggs. Or to the public school here in Dayton, same, right? Maine, which was close and convenient. Okay, Unfortunately, at the public school, there weren't any other kids like Maury, and support was minimal. You always think of the bad things, like, you know, are they going to make fun of her or... Her fitting in. um, Thankfully, we made the right choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can guess what they decided. Or can you? Believe it or not, this is Dayton Consolidated Elementary, the public school. We're talking like Maury has become all the rage.
0: Yay, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Kids here at Dayton have learned multiple things of sign language. So like door, window, carrot, quiet. Funny, sad. What's that? That's not a sign. I like to do it. I like to do it too, but it's not a sign. (laughs) Obviously, they're not fluent yet. But about a third of the kids here know enough to navigate a kindergarten conversation. Like when Maury didn't notice the line was moving. The girl in the pink told her to walk. Followed by the universal sign for, way to go, Maury. And it's not like the administration is mandating this. There is no sign language curriculum. This is bottom-up kindness. Students motivated by nothing more than their own deep desire to connect with this one little girl. Wow! What they know, they learn mostly from posters, books, watching Maury's aid, and teaching each other. They want to do as much as they can for her. We want her to feel comfortable and safe and be able to kind of make friends with her. It's like if you got a gift basket. That's what she is, a little gift basket. Flowers and chocolate. Just a little (laughs) bundle of joy. Eventually, Maury's parents say their daughter may need more support services. But they believe all she needs now is what she has here. A loving community to know that people just accept her for how she is, she's just going to succeed because of being at that school.
0: There are signs of that already. There is this moment in that story where the mom says, and you can tell she's getting emotional about it, where she says that what her little girl has now in that public school, what she has is all she really needs, a loving Community. You see, this this is who we want to be. We, we, we want to be a people who bring healing and wholeness to our community and beyond. Even as Jesus is transforming us, and the way we do that is first, Jesus transforms us. Yes, but it, it, it's not it's not enough. Now we have to take that transformational experience and we have to share it with others where we begin to invest in loving communities all over our city, all over our, our state, all over our county. We begin to invest in loving communities that, that bring healing and wholeness to people. Did you, did you not see, you could see the healing that was being brought to this little girl's life simply by having a group of kids who cared? a group of her peers who said, we love you just the way you are. This is our heart. This is our goal. This is our desire for 2022 is that we wanna be a church full of people who are bringing that kind of healing, that kind of wholeness to our world by building a loving community that welcomes people in and brings healing to their lives. I pray you'll join me in that quest.